When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Minnesota Vikings fans, welcome back to the Purple People Eaters edition of the Living in Loserville podcast. I am your host, Chris Carlson. My co-host, Aaron Miller, will be joining us very shortly. And obviously, it's another season. The Vikings return Sunday. Thank God the NFL is back. It, it helps when you have a union. It helps when you don't have to go to class. So college football is kind of a mess right now, postponed. Some of it's playing, some of it's not. But with the NFL knock on wood, let's hope that we get through some of this stuff. Um, We don't know what the first game or two is going to look like because of it took them a while. It took them five days just to get in the facility. Uh, It took them another, what, five or ten days to get pads on. Basically behind schedule, no – sure, they scrimmaged. They scrimmage more than they did normally. They scrimmaged in the, uh, you know, in the in the stadium and all that. And they situational ten minutes left. You're down fourth quarter. That's all great. Maybe you get some game legs out of that. You're not really tackling hard like you would in a in a game when you're facing somebody else. So I'm I'm guessing it's going to be sloppy to start out the first couple of weeks in general. In camp, usually offenses take a little bit longer than defenses to get going. So maybe we'll see that play out. However, we're going to go over a variety of stuff. You know, we got to start, unfortunately, with Daniil Hunter uh, out for at least three games on the IR. The tweak turned into something more than a tweak. It sounds like his neck will talk minorly about that. We don't have the diagnosis, but damn, that sucks. But thank God we did make a trade. Now, did that trade happen because they knew what they were dealing with? Or was it a couple of weeks before that where they were actively searching anyway for a DN? It looked like we were going to bring Griff back there for a second. I don't know, but I love that trade even more now. That's for sure. Um, we'll talk about well, we'll talk about the defensive line now. We already have the D tackle missing. We thought we had these two youngsters in their well in their prime, 25 year olds coming on both edges. That's not going to happen for a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about Delvin Cook playing with the the holdout, or instead of holdout, I should say, playing without an, the extension. And um, we got to talk about the guard situation where. We're playing the switcheroo, the musical chairs at guard. We'll see if that's cause for concern. Uh, roster cuts. We, we kept a lot of those guys on our practice squad. We'll talk about a variety of stuff. The wide receiver group, Jefferson wide receiver three right now. And we do use a lot of two wide receiver sets. Uh, Bisbee's got that spot right now. Obviously, early and often, we're going to get tested with these cornerbacks. Are we comfortable with what we got at corner? We'll go over some of the starting lineup that's in there. Um, of course, we got to predict the Packer 
game itself, the Green Bay Packers, we start the season off with. Um, and we'll predict, you know, we'll uh, project what uh, the Vikings are going to have for a record. Um, will it be 8-8? Eight eight? Will it be 10-6? and six? Will it be 7-9? and nine? Will it be 11-5? and five? You know, that's usually where we're like 8-8 eight and 10-6. Eight and, ten and six. That's, that's kind of where we, uh, we end up the first game or the first six games. We got some tough battles in there. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk all about the Vikings here on the Purple People Eaters podcast. Like I said, living in Loserville edition. Real quick, though, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you can listen to it live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash radio. It streams live at archives. However, if you want to listen to the Purple People Eaters podcast and you don't want have to go to, you know, to, to blog talk and download the show directly there or listen to the browser. You can find this show under the Rope Adobe Radio podcast at Apple Podcast, um, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, really all across the board. We're also part of the Grueling Truth Sports Podcast Network, which can be found everywhere, including Spotify. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. That's thegruelingtruth.com. It's football. It's basketball. It's baseball. It's boxing. It's everything in between. And one more thing real quick, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy. I got something for you. I use it myself. It's called AT&T TV Now. It's live streaming cable. They do have a seven-day free trial. Once you sign up, there's no annual contract. The plans start as low as $55 a month. They have the cloud DVR. You can stream it anywhere. And right now, if you sign up, you get a, a free 30-day trial of HBO Max. Okay, so that's a pretty good deal. Here's another layer to the deal. If you sign up for AT&T TV now, the Max deal, the package I should say, you get HBO Max for free plus a one uh, one free month of Showtime, which is normally $11 on the platform. So that's something to, to, to take a gander at. AT&T TV now, like I said, live streaming cable. Okay, going to go ahead and bring in Aaron to the fold. See how his summer's been and, and all that good stuff. And here in Minnesota, I don't know how it is otherwhere. I know, like, on the on the West Coast, it's hot as hell. Our thoughts go out to all those fires and, you know, the coronavirus in some areas still causes some issues. Some schools have opened up and closed. Hopefully everything's going good with you on that level, uh, the folks, the audience out there. But um, first of all, how you doing? Uh, you know, how was your summer? How, how's it going? Right. But then also, unfortunately, we got to start out with the uh, the tweak from Daniel or Daniel Daniel Hunter. I wouldn't say that even to his face. Hunter had a tweak back in August 14th and we didn't know. He just called it a tweak. That's what Zimmer said. We just heard a bunch of tweaks. Now we know it's some sort of neck injury. He's on the IR, which puts him out for the minimum of three games. Um, sorry it had to be this way, but it is because it's, uh, well, it's called living in Louisville, right, Aaron? Hey, Chris. So it's good to be back on the Purple People Eaters podcast for another season, and which promises to be one of the weirdest seasons, I think, that we're going to face in our lifetimes with uh, COVID and the fallout that is and is still in the air, so to speak. And, yeah, I mean, we have... Uh, I was going through YouTube the other day 
and I caught our last show. Well, it wasn't our last show, but it was the show after the loss to San Francisco. And what we had said there and the demands that we had made uh, for the offseason, and we'll get into uh, what was met and what wasn't, but uh, we did see the changes. There are many changes, and one including a, a trade that you mentioned and uh, the end of what was a mystery about Daniil Hunter and what the tweak actually was coming down today, something with his neck. And uh, that leaves us in a, in a different position than we thought uh, going into game one against Green Bay. And you know, all the fallout of that and the aftermath of, you know, who's going to play that other position and who's going to step up for what looks like three weeks. But like you said, necks are very, uh, well, they're hard to predict. And so is this going to be a reoccurring thing that, that continues throughout the season? Yeah, in three weeks, it's basically once you get on that IR, you have to be there for three weeks. So it's like, ooh, that's nice and vague as well. It's funny because a lot of people all of a sudden saw the injury report. Oh, no injuries. Oh, sweet. They were just being safe with Hunter. Oh, by the way, they moved him, though, <laughs> to that injury, uh, the IR, the injury reserve. So, um, you know, uh, it's nice we made a trade. It's nice that we do have, uh, you know, some depth off the edge. It's nice that maybe on third downs we could send bar. But it'd be really nice to have two dudes in their prime coming off the edge. One dude who's a stud who has the most, uh, you know, sacks through 50 games. The other dude leads the league in, in strip fumbles the last two years. Um, so, yeah, forced fumbles are great um, and definitely – you think on the surface that's going to help our young cornerbacks as well to get off the edge in this passing league that sure, once you get to the playoffs, we are seeing, especially the, the final four, so to speak in the conference finals, we are seeing a lot of teams that play defense have great lines and they can run the ball, but we know you run into a lot of shootouts. Um, so this is a head scratcher in the fact that it's this vague tweak. And like you said, here, you know, on air and off right before we got on, the next such a tedious thing. It's very like much like a back where you're like, oh, I, I don't I don't know. And the fact that they've been so vague, it really kind of scares me at this point, man. Yeah, I really wonder if they're vague, you know, just crossing their fingers and hoping that uh, there would be some sort of change before today. And. You know, I guess you could give it to them for that. And obviously they've known about it and have had time to prepare uh, some alternatives for uh, this eventuality. But, you know, it's hard for us because we don't know how to project going forward. Now, what I think you're going to see is, uh, you know, the dueling Nigerians with Odenikbo and uh, Ngakwe on the edge. That would be my guess. Uh, probably maybe mix in some Jalen Holmes. They've been hyping him up uh, throughout training camp. And uh, you know, that's uh, an issue that we'll get into the defensive line as far as the inside of that defensive line. But I'm okay uh, for a temporary th month or so of, of that those two at defensive end. Yeah, I think you're right there. I am okay with it, but it does, you know, it does suck that the um, you know the amount of quality quarterbacks we're going to see here in the opening six games. It really is like, well, it sure would be nice to get off the edge on both of them. Not to say we can't be effective, like you said. Um, well, since we're on this line, you know, 
the D tackle Pierce came in. It seemed like a great fit. Uh, he's chose for obvious reasons um, not to participate this year, which you can't really, you can't get mad at him. I know once the news came out a lot, I saw in the forums, I saw on Twitter people talking shit, but it's like, first of all, the guy has asthma. He's a big dude. That's basically what we talked about. Offense alignment and D tackles, those guys are walking around with 60, 80, 100 extra pounds. They have underlining issues and breathing issues just in general, even if you don't have some major, major thing. But another thing is, I think two years ago, he got pneumonia. So let me guess. I mean, you got pneumonia already before some virus started taking over. I, it's, it makes sense. So I'm not mad at him. I can't wait till he comes back next year. I get it. For any of the fans that are ripping him, you know, save it. Miss me with that. But it is a problem in the middle. Now, I guess, Aaron, the saving grace to an extent, we do have some experience at the position. And we know either, you know, Lindell Joseph either wasn't playing, so he missed a couple of games. And that counts for the games that he, he you know, that he left or tried to come back and was like 70%, wasn't 100%. So in the last two, the reason why we brought Pierce in and had to get rid of Joseph, he was wearing down. So him not, you know, missing games, not being 100%, at least we have some experience with that. So it makes me feel a little better, but the whole season without him, I'm still a little nervous on some of these big running games. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I, I I have this down as one of my top question marks going into the season, the interior defensive line. And we may have experience, but I don't think we have, you know, high quality talent there at the moment uh, with Pierce opting out. Uh, I feel like at nose tackle, you're going to get Shamar Steffen, which they're trying to sell now that that's the position he's best at. He's been a uh, three tech for two or three seasons, but now they're telling us, that he actually plays better at the nose tackle, and let's hope he does. He's got the body for it. So I'm a little confident in that. But then when you go to the three-tech, who's going to be there? I like Armand Watts, but there's going to be a bunch of guys coming in and out of that position, I think, until someone solidifies it. Uh, even like James Lynch, the rookie, uh, Armand Watts, who I mentioned, uh, Jaleel Johnson. There's going to be a bunch of choices, and I think they're going to rotate in and out to see who works best there. But you're kind of in flux in a lot of spots in this defense at this point. And, you know, it used to be we, the defensive line was something we could we could hang our hat on and know that that was decent going in. But now it's kind of up in the air, and people are going to have to play and see who plays the best. And, you know, going out against Rodgers where you need that pressure in week one, it's, it's just going to be, I guess, trial and error until you figure out the four that are going to work. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, trial and error. And you're right. Uh, you know, the old – well, actually, you know, he used to – he likes the position so much that he used to stay after practice and, and work that technique specifically. And what we saw was we actually wanted to play him there. Well, if you wanted to play him there, why even bring in Pierce? You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it is kind of like, oh, that's where we want him now. You swear that now, huh? Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I'm, I'm a little in between on it. There were a couple of offensive linemen or offensive lines that San Francisco that uh, tore us up already before that. Um, and now we're missing a couple guys, you know, and, and that's that's pretty troubling. 
um, especially with the young corners. Expect you know if you if they get the run game going on us, as we know on offense, play action can just kill you. Um, I'm a little little weirded out by that, but we'll we're gonna you know we're gonna see on that. Let's go to the revolving door that is the guard positions, Aaron. And I know you're gonna love this one because we're gonna switch a rule. Hey, this guy played this in college. Well, you know, as a freshman, off season they prepped him for right guard, that type of shit. When we know, you know, we know Pat played, you know, center and left guard a lot. Now, I know he played some right guard, but he he played center. He got drafted as a center the last, like, year and a half, two years in Ohio State. Uh, was whatever at center. Was even less of whatever, mediocre at left guard. Now we're trying him at right guard. Um, it's a revolving door. We have Dozier. We have uh, Drew Samia. Uh, Brett Jones is on the practice squad. We have Cleveland trying out at guard. Dozier's the vet, what, eight or nine-year vet that I wish we just would have played at left guard then. Uh, I, I know you're not going to like this, <laughs> the, the freaking musical chairs, right? Hey, we'll do this and this, and we're going to switch that around. Um, the guard positions, both of them now, what are you thinking? And also, hey, if someone's struggling, they better put these guys in and see if we can get a better product. Because I know Elfline can run block. That's something that he has shown. But we've also seen on third down, he's just a mess. Well, you've managed to nail my, my biggest question mark going into the season here. And it's really no significant change on the offensive line. Now, do they – address it in the draft yeah in the sixth and seventh rounds uh and with all those picks now it makes you think you know maybe they could have focused a little more they got Ezra Cleveland in the second round he's a tackle I don't want you trying him at guard they're going to maybe say that but he's a tackle either right or left however it works out next season and now we're still dealing with Elfline who they believe in and I want to believe with them but we've seen nothing to make us believe in Elfline the way they do. Uh, perhaps that'll change. And then you've got a, a guy coming off the bench to fill the other guard position where you could have maybe got somebody you liked a little better in the draft or maybe, you know, figure out what's going on with Drew Samia. He's a tough kid. He's, you know, gritty. Every time he's on the field, I feel like that's what the offensive line needs. And yet he's not cracking the starting lineup and you're going to go with Dakota Dozier now. Is that some sort of loyalty thing you got going on? Or, or maybe he's great. We'll find out. But this is the problem. We've had this guard situation going on four seasons. And the center, okay, we're going to go in with Bradbury a little bit. Another season, perhaps he's better. He wasn't great last year, but particularly in pass protection. But, you know, he's a smaller guy. And like I said, we've had problems with big lines. And so now you're going to throw a little elf line, Bradbury and Dozier. with <laughs> the interior of that line. Uh, and, you know, we're pretty good. Reef will do, and O'Neal is proving to be a pro bowler. We'll see how that goes. But we still have that mix in the middle that nobody's comfortable with, and as other line defensive lines are getting their stuff together and we're finding that they're gaming for us with big, strong dudes, like we've always said, the Bears, the Niners, all these teams that have these strong defensive lines, and we're running – Zone blocking schemes with small guys, it's just one of these things where I'm not comfortable with it. And somehow they tried to sell us this stuff about 
well, we're going to do this and move that and Dozier can play. And, you know, I, you know what came first? Is, are they saying that out of necessity or are they saying that because they believe that? We're going to find out. And I, I just it sticks in my craw a little bit because I can't see why you can't address the guard position a little better. You, you got, you know, Hinton might be good. He's on the practice squad. A lot of uh, excitement about him coming in. But I'm starting to see maybe there's something going on with this coaching staff, maybe a little misplaced loyalty or uh, promises to be kept. And, you know, all this could be washed out by Dozier going out and kicking ass and Elfline sure. going out and kicking ass. Let's hope that that happens. But I'm a little skeptical, and I think most Viking fans are too. Yeah, it's hard not to be. Like you said, this isn't something new. Um, thank God the restructure with the Riley Reef that would have been even worse to lose him right before you're about to uh, – well, I mean, they got a defensive tackle and an edge rusher. Smith has just lit our ass up. Week one, Sunday, we're going to be tested that way. Uh, you know, I, I, Reef does the trick. Cool. One more year, maybe he's gone. Maybe Cleveland can take over. Like you said, O'Neal. I do think that the second year of Bradbury will be a little bit better. We need it to be, of course. Um, the one thing I'll say is, like you said, you talked about the coaches. Obviously, the offensive line coach has a track record of producing good offensive lines. I will say that. Now, when they got in here, Kubiak and company, of course, um, when they got in here, if you look at our run blocking last year compared to this year, it did step, or last year, you know, two years ago, <laughs> here I am. Um, but it did take a step up. And we did give them credit to become like a top 10 rushing line. Maybe not top five, clearly not top 10 probably overall because of the past, you know, protection or lack thereof. But they did take a jump up. So I, I give them credit there, and, and that's what I think it is. You know, with Kubiak taking over, more tight end sets even more, and, and more actually, you know, a four-yard post-up to the tight end type stuff. We're going to see more of that. So I, I think that they're going to rely on coaching him up. But tell me what was wrong with Josh Klein then. <laughs> Couldn't we have five guys going for one guard position, Aaron, and know that we got a decent guy with Klein? Now we know the concussions may have played a, a part, and I actually haven't followed up to see if he signed with someone. So maybe I'm wrong with that, but – yeah, I really think it's going to come down to we are going to coach them up. And just like how we're going to coach up these young corners and get by and still be a top 10 defense, that's what I think that that, that they're thinking. And, and they do, like I said, with Kubiak totally in the fold now as far as play call, I think he will be a little more aggressive, kind of like the stuff we were ta- asking for next or from last year. Um, I think they're going to just try to coach him up, man. I, I really think that's that's what's going to happen. And now you got guard and you got corners. Corners will be tested early and often. Corners are tested all day long in this league at this point. Um, we have guys that have starting experience um, that are starters. Hughes is one of the starters. That's nice. Did he show something at sometimes? A little bit. He actually wasn't as bad in the slot, if you look at some of the numbers, but it still looked like I remember that 17 target game and stuff like that, where you're like, I don't know. Now the other side, you know, Holton Hill, when he was a rookie, he looked like, okay, this guy's got something going on. He's a long lanky dude. They're talking about Jeff uh, Gladney being the corner, 
you heard a lot about Dan Zier, that third or fourth round pick, whichever, the, the skinny kid, but long and lanky. We heard a lot about him. Thielen was talking good stuff about him. Where are we at with this cornerback room? Because guard and corner were kind of, like you said, that, that last episode, that what we demand of you. Where, where are you at with that? Well, this is where you really got to fall back on trust in Zimmer, I think, on this one, because you're, you couldn't be younger uh, in, than you are in the secondary. And you're going with Hughes and Hill as your two outside corners. And, I, you know, with what you have in the room, I suppose that makes the most sense as far as experience goes. But Dantzler, like you said, showed off pretty well in training camp now. He's a rookie, and you can't trust a rookie, particularly game one rookie season at that type of position against Aaron Rodgers. I can understand the fact that you want to at least fall on some guys that have a little experience and maybe go from there, give Dancer a little spot play. But then you got to worry about is Gladney, is he penciled in at the slot? Now, that's my question mark because it took McKenzie Alexander three years to learn that position. It took uh, Captain Munderland, a vet, of what, probably four or five years before he got here. It took him two seasons to get comfortable in the slot. So I don't see Zimmer putting a rookie in the slot. Now, you know, maybe this kid, he's 24, maybe he's got everything he needs and he's ready to go. Or maybe Zimmer's willing to say, we'll try to hide him as best we can. But you can't really hide a slot cornerback, especially against Rodgers and the quarterbacks that are on our schedule this season. So I'm thinking that you're probably going to see Hughes and Hill start it. And then you're going to, you know, mix in some Dantzler, mix in some other guys, get them in there. Boyd has also played really well. You know, mix in guys until you find what you like on game day. Now, that's in two positions. Actually, three now we're talking about kind of feeling it out for the season and and who's going to take the spots. Nobody's won anything yet. Now, I think at the end of the season, you're probably going to end up with something like Hill and Dantzler on the outside, Gladney on the inside. But how do we get there? And are we... Are we stout enough right now to win a game against Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, or we're just too young, too inexperienced at that point? We'll get into that in game prediction. But as far as the room goes, I'm starting to think that you got to trust Zimmer on this one. This is, you know, this is his forte, cornerbacks, secondary. You got the safeties to, to maybe clean up some messes and uh, kind of just build from there. On the good side, no more Rhodes. On the good side, no more Waynes. So we're not seeing that. And then they went and Wayne's got himself hurt. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with Rhodes. Pectoral issue. I mean, right. everybody that left that cornerback room, we're starting to see now why maybe they left. Uh, somebody, what, uh, Alexander got himself in, in jail for punching some guy. So we're, you know, we're maybe a little better off, but I think it's going to take, you know, three, four, five games to really get settled in on on what we have at cornerback. Yeah, and some of those guys that you, you mentioned that have experience in this system, that does help a lot because we know the system, you know, even though Boyd is a third string, he, he, he looked, they, they kept talking about him. Harrison Hand as well, I suppose, on the depth chart. But, yeah, I agree. I, I liked how you put that as the season went on. I could see that rotation as well. Um, and it makes sense. Hughes, Hilton, they've been in they've, – they've played, right, in a professional game more than one. And also, like you said, they've been in the system for a while and, and you know, we're going to see how that goes. It is a trust thing, and I, and I do trust them. I've been huge on, hey, let's just sign one cornerback, a vet cornerback, just in case. We'll see if that bites us, um, these guards in the corners in general. Um, you know, like I said, I kind of thought we were going to open up with a Delvin Cook holdout situation. 
It's pretty cool. It's a good situation for both. Well, not, I mean, it would be better for him if he got a deal, of course. But if you look at it next year, um, and there's been like four or five signed lately too, <laughs> running back. So he's got to be like, what the hell? But it does put him in line for some big money with the franchise tag next year, which kind of says, hey, do you want, I, you want to, do you really want me to go? Because here's my leverage. I finally have some leverage. This is a lot of money to pay me in one year. I want a deal here. And it sounds like he wants a deal, but kudos, kudos to Cook for playing without a con, like without an extension. It's not something that a lot of people here locally thought would happen. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough spot for Cook and for the team. I mean, and for any running back in the NFL at this point in time, really devalued position. I mean, you're seeing Fournette go and just be, you know, we don't need him anymore. Great running back gone. It really makes you think, okay, well, what's the value of the running back in today's NFL? Are they that interchangeable where you can just go get a rookie, plug him in, play him for right. three years and let him go unless he's ex- exceptional. And, you know, Cook, you would say he's on the very good to almost great. You know, I don't say he's a great running back yet, but he's very good. He's at the top part of the running backs in the NFL. And if you can't pay him or you're, you're hesitant to pay him, uh, I think that really tells you what the position of running back in the NFL is. Now, you know, Cook, kudos to him for, for being willing to play the season. But I guess, you know, maybe at this point, you know, holdouts aren't the way to go uh, with Le'Veon Bell and all that stuff that happened a couple of years ago. Maybe, you know, you, you'd have to sit out a year. I think a team would just hold still. You've got Madison and ready to run. And so, yeah, I mean, safety and running back at this point in time, Chris, it's just – those are positions that you're going to have to find a way to value or kids are going to stop playing that position. And, you know, when we grew up running back was the second most important part of the offense. And now I think yeah. it's left tackle and quarterback. And so you got to understand what's the future of pro running backs. And, uh, you know, maybe they just got to go for that first contract and their agents got to work harder to get them more money in the first contract. Cause it doesn't look like many are getting signed to a second. Yeah, and the ones that are, because actually there were like four or five of them in the last couple of months, but they were healthy. <laughs> that was the key. He is a great I See, I'd put him in that top five great, but you can't pay him like a great unless it's a set of base. You're on the field, a roster bonus because you made the squad the next year. Um, and that's that's really why we're hesitant. I don't think it's the worth of him. I, I agree with what you said about the running backs, but there are a handful that you can pay and people have healthily too. But, you know, speaking of health, is he going to be able to, you know, stay the whole season? And But playing this year, if he got really hurt again, knock on wood, then he'd be really screwed. So, yeah, it's a mixture of stuff, but I'm just happy he's uh, white-knuckling this stuff out, man. I, I'm really happy at that. Um, all right, so we lost Diggs. What we felt like was a, you know, all things considered, uh, you had to make the move because it doesn't seem like he was happy here. We'll let him go be number one wide receiver with the Bills for a quarterback that's got one of the worst deep balls. We'll let him deal with that. Um, the 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 wide receiver room. B uh, B C Johnson looks like he's number two. As of right now, and we are in, you know, that um, that 11 personnel, you know, that 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 two wide receiver 21. Um, 
you know, actually I have some stats on here. Why is Jefferson the number three wideout? That's what people are kind of like, what's going on? The Vikings don't run three wideout receivers. Let's see, uh, running 11 personnel, just 25% of the time last year, the lowest percent in the NFL. Uh, Minnesota ran the 21, two running backs, and, uh, you know, 21% of the time, second in the NFL. In the 12, this is what I thought I meant first, the 12 personnel, two tight ends, 34%, which is second, too. And my guess is that's we're both in the second position. That's probably the Niners because they got those two dudes. So um, that room has some depth. Um, you know, we, we definitely kept uh, a fair amount of them. Obviously, Justin Jefferson, the guy can catch over the middle. I think we saw that in the slot on LSU. If you watch his tape, that's something that's clear. He's not afraid of contact. And he's got that that catch spectrum, right? That range. You're already seeing that. You saw that as a LSU tiger, but you're really seeing that in practice. Obviously we know Thielen's number one, but BB made the cut, the rookie KJ Osborne, um, that other dude, but Tejon Prince or sharp, Tejon Prince, Tejon Sharp. Um, and of course, like I said, Beesby or BZ Johnson, who had a nice, what 30 catch rookie year. did seem like some of his catch, Catches came at like timely third down type of stuff. Um, where are you at? Are they just kind of, you know, kind of babying Jefferson a little bit because he didn't get that much time. They got a lot of reps, but not in game reps against, you know, good against good on a team that you, you, you only have tape. You don't see him every day. Um, especially since we're doing the two wide receiver sets, where are you at with uh, the depth of that room with Diggs gone? And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of rookies that pop off and get a thousand yards. He's capable of that. Sure. But it's going to be tough to have 2000 yard receivers anyway, with the amount of, you know, run, uh, plays that we run. Where's your, where you're at with the depth. Some people are just, you know, beyond themselves that, uh, it's BZ Johnson in the starting lineup. Um, but that's just play one on offense, you know? I think that's the part you're going to see the most difference uh, coming up this season is the loss of Diggs. That's a huge loss. Um, people, you know, they don't predict a lot of success for him in Buffalo, but I think he, he'll have plenty of success. He's a good receiver, probably great, and I think he'll have a chance to show it, and I think we're going to miss him, and thinking that we're not is a mistake. Uh, he balances the field. You saw what would happen when Thielen was out and how hard it was for Diggs to catch passes. And now you only have Thielen until somebody else steps up and proves that they can be adequate on that other side. It's going to be a problem to begin with. Uh, I think BC Johnson's adequate for that too. I think you'll, they'll move Jefferson in, get his feet wet. I mean, he's a rookie. We can't depend. Uh, I think we've learned that Zim doesn't, you know, until you show it, Zim's not going to trust you no matter what position you're at. And, you know, I think Jefferson will prove out to be the number two, but until he gets on the field, does some things that are, you know, uh, productive, I think that you're going to see B.C. Johnson as more of a placeholder for Jefferson, and I'm fine with that because we don't really know until when the lights come on and the crowd's there. Oh, yeah, I forgot. No crowd this year. But, uh, you know, how a guy's going right. to react to the NFL. Now, I have a lot of faith that Jefferson will react well to that. I think he's made – it's kind of in his – seems to be in his blood to be kind of a showman. So I think he, he'll probably play very well, but until he proves that, we're probably going to see – uh, not as much of him as we'll see at BC Johnson. Now, you know, three or four weeks in, a couple touchdowns by Jefferson, maybe uh, some defensive attention going his way. 
and it balances the field a little bit better. I think you'll still, you'll see more of him and less of BC Johnson. But to start the season, it's BC, and and I got a problem with that. He catches the ball. He might not be the fastest guy in the world, but you know, third and ten, third and eleven, you know, maybe sort of a possession type of guy. But I think we will miss Diggs, and I think we will see um, maybe uh, a noticeable difference of how defenses react uh, initially. And uh, as far as going down the depth chart, I mean, you kind of got the three that you need in BC, Thielen, and Jefferson. Under that, you got BB, who will probably be some sort of a specialist type of receiver, maybe, you know, sneaky slot guy. And then uh, Tajay Sharp, red zone type of guy, a little bit more size to him. You know, he might end up, you know, if if Jefferson doesn't uh, grasp that number two, uh, Sharp might be a guy that, that can do that. But uh, he's fallen down a little bit in the depth chart. I think maybe that's due to Jefferson's play. Hopefully that's the case. And so I think the room is probably deeper than it was last year, but the high end of the room is not as good as it was last year. So I think we'll notice a difference first five, six weeks of the season uh, until we get another guy that can balance the field on offense. Yeah, and you're right. Diggs is a stud. You're going to miss him. I do think Irv Smith Jr., We'll see the ball more. I want to see, like I said earlier, a four-yard post-up to Rudolph and him more just to get some yards and keep that play action going. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's going to be tough to – I think you'll have statistically good year, um, but all those deep bombs are not going to be as right in the bread basket uh, just because the quarterback is just not good at throwing it deep. That's just the last couple of years. That's just there, but – but you're right. We can't. A lot of people get caught up in emotion. Oh, he didn't want to be on the team. Oh, he did. You know what? We don't need him. And you're wiping your eye. You don't. We don't need him. You know, uh-huh, sure. Right. Diggs is uh, Diggs is a damn good player. I will say this though. Diggs last year pretty much played all the games. But the only thing that held Diggs back was missing a good two to three or four games a year. Get taken out of one, come back, taken out of, you know. And Thielen had, that's where Thielen actually started to shine. And he had that 1,300-yard year with Diggs in in and out. So Thielen in the offense has had some experience. Speaking of experience, we now do have the same terminology, the same playbook, the same everything for some of these wide receivers uh, in, in everybody, including Cousins. This is the first time ever that he hasn't had a new coordinator, which is just, it's just silly. It's like the dude every single year, like now a couple of them can mean they're really good, but some of them are just like, Oh wow, that, that ended quickly. So that that's a good thing for cousins um, to, to be able to be in that same thing. As long as he wears a mask, you know, outside, I know he thinks he's that, you know, he just, well, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get religious. Um, but Let's kind of park it right here before we get into the Packer preview and prediction, before we predict the record. That'll be the last two things we do. Breakout years, step up years, whether it is a rookie, we kept a bunch of them, or a second or third year guy. Irv Smith seems like the guy is chomping at the bit. And in this two tight end system that we know Kubiak loves the run, I mean, 30, 40, 50 catches, I can definitely see for Irv. Um, you know, hopefully Bradbury kind of steps out and shows that extra step as a second year. Are there some other guys that you're looking around? And it doesn't, when I say breakout, 
It could be just producing off the bench. I mean, we had so many of those, uh, the rookies, what we, was it 15? Was it 15 of them? I think we kept uh, 10 out of the 15, nine on the 53, a couple more on the, actually, this is a late list I'm looking at. They did keep 11 on the D line uh, on the initial 53 because the team didn't want to expose James Lynch and Holmes and, and Mati, uh, what is it? Uh, Hercules. Uh, how do you say Mata Afa. Mata Afa, Thank you. Um, you know, they were able to keep that. They didn't want to lose people on waivers except that Lynch. Who are some of the guys um, that you could see maybe breaking out this year? And, and like I said, it doesn't have to be, oh, they're a pro bowler. It could be just productive. Like, hey, that guy, we can build on that guy. Yeah, I got a short list. Irv Smith is the top. We Out of necessity, I think. And what you can do with him, I think maybe we'll see him split out wide a few times. Uh, as a big receiver, he's definitely fast enough, and he's great. He, you know, great receiver. He can catch the ball well. So I think they'll try to work a lot of things with him. If you remember Julius Thomas under Kubiak down in uh, Denver, they did a lot of fun things with him. So I think you might see that uh, for Irv Smith, and as long as he stays uh, healthy, I think he'll really step up this season. That's kind of a for sure one. Uh, and then working into some, I, I don't know if I like this because it's necessary or I like it because I think it's going to happen, but dude got a haircut, you know, seems like he's taking life seriously. So let's go with Holton Hill. I think maybe he can prove to be a starting <laughs> corner. I love uh, that. Dude got a haircut. <laughs> well, I think he needed it, man. I, he, he, at least it shows something, you know, it shows maybe, you know, maybe he's taking it more seriously or maybe that's what he wants to portray. But, uh, out of necessity, he needs to step up, and I think he will. Uh, and then I want to see the rookie Cam Dantzler. I think he will see the field probably, you know, come week two, week three. He's just a really talented player. Uh, he's 6'2". He's everything, you know, Zimmer likes. Uh, I, I haven't seen him with boxing gloves on yet, so it seems <laughs> like he's playing pretty well. He's skinny. They call him slim, but, hey, yeah. that's okay. Well, his nickname's The Needle. Oh, yeah, The Needle. I've watched a lot of his uh, tape at at uh, Mississippi State, and I like what I see now. You know, like you said, you never know till the lights come on. But I, I think that's the kind of kid that you're going to have. You know, be starting probably week three, week four, maybe even before that. Uh, and then my last one will be Hercules Madafa. Now, he'll be a spot guy. I don't think he'll be a starter and a you know play the majority of the snaps on defensive line. But as a Swiss Army knife type of defensive player, you can maybe line him up outside, inside move him all kinds of places depending on the matchup, put on a lot of weight, still has a speed. Uh, he's a unique pass rusher, which I think is different than what you see in a lot of players who kind of buy the book, do everything right. I think he's got gifts that are different than everybody else. If used correctly and if, you know, he is uh, the kind of player I think he is, I think he'll show a little bit more. And and the, so I think those are like the main ones, some out of necessity, some I think are really going to happen. I think, like I said, Justin Jefferson could pop and, you know, become a really great rookie, but he's a rookie and I don't want to give that to him yet until we see, you know, we saw some rookies we thought were great in training camp and right. you know, they hit the field, they can't catch, they can't run their routes. So I don't think that's going to be Jefferson, but, you know, until you know, you don't know. So uh, I think Jefferson will be a big one. And then, I, you know, someone's got to show up on this offensive line. I think you're right about Bradbury. I think that's probably the best place for someone to step up and, and really uh, improve this season. It'll really help out a lot. And then you got to hope, man, you got to hope that Dakota Dozier is as billed starter worthy because if he is, that is a, that is a huge difference. That's all. You got to coach him up. <laughs> yeah. 
And, you know, hopefully they did. I mean, Chris, do you think they'd start somebody they didn't have faith in? I mean, I hope yeah. not. Yeah, exactly. I think that they're literally saying, hey, dude, much like you mentioned with the cornerback, I, you know, just trust them. I think that they're just tr- trusting these guys coach up. And like I said, too, we did see an improvement last year in run block. There, there's just no way around that. But eh, we'll see, man. And Hercules did pop last year. Remember that a couple times? He flashed. He flashed. He, he yeah, he was having a problem where he comes off the line so low that all they had to do is push him in the back, you know, and he'd fall on his face. So I think, you know, he needs to work on that. But like I said, I think he put on 30. He's like 285 now, maybe 290. So, I mean, he's almost where he needs to be, where, you know, your standard defensive tackle is. Right. So let's just see how it goes. I mean, I know there's going to be rotation at that position until they find someone they like. So that's why they probably kept 11 guys uh, on the defensive line because they just don't know. Uh, plus, you, first you want a rotation, and second you don't know who your primaries are going to be. And I think there's a, still a huge position battle going on there. Yeah, there is. And with Pearson neck tweak uh, out, you know, our guy Hunter, who really knows, K.J. Osborne is the starting punt and kick returner. That makes sense. Amir Abdullah listed as the backup. Uh, the backup kickoff returner, Chad Beebe and Hughes, are backups for punt. Um so, yeah, I mean, we will see how this goes. It, it feels like, dude, we have such a young team in spots, right? It feels like if we're sitting here week 10 and the corners are developing and Hunter's back and all this stuff, right, and, and we're 10 and 6, let's say, or not, you know, obviously not week 10, but we're, we're looking good. We're going to make the playoffs. I mean, wow, would they have gotten it right? And then next year, you know, with Pierce coming back, like that D-line would just improve right away. And, and, you know, that would be that would be really this would all be bankable. It's kind of like I see what you guys were thinking. I'm sorry for saying you should have kept Klein or my bad. We didn't need a veteran corner, you know, all that. So that that does what it kind of looks like it's adding up to. Anything else before we get into predicting the game and predicting this record here, sir? Anything else you want to cover? Uh, you know, not really. I'd like to, you know, let's get into the Packer game. I, we mentioned a little bit earlier, Chris, before you go into your uh, introduction to the game. I, it's the inexperience at this one. I mean, it's a really tough draw to hit an experienced quarterback like Rodgers week one with all the new people on defense, all the new people on offense. And it's just, it's a tough draw week one. Yeah. I mean, it is, uh, it actually, uh, Super Bowl odds. We're going to, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to start that way. Uh, 28 to one, it opened at 30 to one. So we got some believers out there, Aaron over under number is set at nine playoff odds. Yes. And no, Yes, it's minus 20, 125, meaning, you know, there's a good chance. No is plus 105. So it's like a 50-50 fight, so to speak, uh, when it comes to that. Uh, so the number that they're talking is, you know, it's like, hey, can we get to that 9 or 10? It does kind of feel that way. Oops, sorry. Okay, um, breaking this game down. You see that injury report, you're like, yes, I remember when I opened the screen. Yes, no injuries. Forget it, Hunter's out. We are, we got that home field, but not really home field. 
hyped-in noise going on. Uh, Two-and-a-half-point favorite, plus 140. The over-under is 45. Um, I, I think I like that number. I guess I'd shade... Uh, you know, I actually like that number. I think I'll go under on that number 45. Um, if you look at last year, both those games, they got away from us. We came, but we got down early and then came back and Cousins threw his worst pick that he'll ever throw, uh, knock on wood. Um, but you know, I, I, that's a good bet. I'd, I'd say because, you know, that was that bad. Lost that game 21 to 16, could have won it right there. And then we were in the game, and then it got ugly late. Lost that one at home, 23-10. to 10. Um, Obviously, they didn't add anything um, at the wide receiver spot that really shook people. They did um, add a big back to the fold there in Green Bay. Um, God, there's, like you said, I mean, I understand that in camp, we know, and even during, you know, the, the games we usually get where you play a quarter, then you may play a quarter and a half, and then game three, you usually play two quarters, and it matters how you play and if you're going to play early third or whatever. Some people will just, you know, some coaches will be like, hey, we want to get you at halftime, go out and have one series. If you're playing like shit, they usually keep you longer. We don't have that. Like I mentioned, defense usually is ahead of offense, so that helps out. But it's just hard for me to say we're going to win this game without Hunter, Aaron. And also, the guard, you know, musical chairs, when we got to play two dudes that just love destroying us, destroying our offensive line. So I am actually going to pick us to lose this game early. Um, what I say, 45 is the over-under. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark it up to about... 20 to uh, 20 to 17. Uh, that would be over, wouldn't it? <laughs> Whatever. Um, I'm going to say 20 to 17. Unfortunately, our Vikes go down swinging, but they end up catching air. Uh, not a not a body uh, per se. What says you about this matchup, sir? Well, I don't like this matchup for us. The week one, it's just, yeah, I mean, defense is ahead of offense, but Rodgers has been doing this 14 seasons now. Uh, he might not have the high-end talent at wide receiver, but at least he has guys that have played and know what they're doing. Uh, and then, like you said, Chris, the fronts, man. I mean, both of them. We're, we're questioned on the defensive line now, and we're questionable on the offensive line now. These are two spots they're not as questionable at. Uh, you add A.J. Dillon in on short yardage, even if that's short yardage. I mean, he's just too big, uh, and I just don't have a lot of faith in us being able to get get them off the field on third down with no corners that we know that can play well against Rodgers. I mean, even Hill played spot duty last year, so we don't know. You know, you can tell him all you want in the in the film room that this is what Rodgers does, but until he sees it knows it, you got to give Rodgers the upper hand on this one. I don't like it at all, and I would take the over. I'm going 33-21 Packers as much as it hurts me to say that. Until we see uh, what we have, I, I just they know what they have. It might not be the greatest thing in the world, but they're sure of it. And uh, we aren't quite there yet in the positions that we need to uh, we need to know about. So I, I got to go Packers on this one. Unfortunately, hopefully we can get it back in the second game of the series. I like how you shaped that. That made a lot of sense. How 
you know, they know what they got. It may not be better than it was last year, but it didn't matter. They beat us twice. Um, all right, so we're both in agreements. Unfortunately, hopefully we're both wrong. Um, let's break down some of this here. Are we going uh, 10 and 6? Uh, what's the high point for you? Is it 10 and 6? Is it 11 and 5? Is it 12 and 4? What's the high point before we actually, you know, get the actual schedule figured out and give our predictions? Is the high level uh, 11, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there? And then the low level, how bad could it get? Would it be 8 and 8 is the bad? Or, or could we, you know, go to 7 and 9 or whatever? Or, you know, we've been good at drawing lately, having ties. So maybe there'll be a tie in there. What's, what's the high and low looking for you, sir? Boy, that's an interesting question. I think high would go something maybe 12, 13 wins. Uh, likely, probably not that likely. But it's possible, I suppose. Uh, you get the running game going. Everything starts to click. I think you could do that. Low, I mean, I think you could go down to as low as six or five games uh, winning there, which I don't think is that far out of uh, – I mean, I think it's more likely that we go six and ten than it is that we go 13 and three. Uh, I don't hate to – you know, I hate to say that. But, I think that's fair. Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of what we're looking at. Now, we haven't had – you know, we, we – haven't been to the Super Bowl since we've been alive. We, we do realize that. We call the show Living in Loserville, folks. But we don't have many, and I know it's not poor man Steelers. You know, I, I'm not trying to say all this stuff, but we don't have many less stackle years. We just don't where we win four or five or six. We really don't when you add it up. So I don't think we'll go six. But I do agree, though, if, you know, if you put a gun to my head, what, which would it be? Yeah, I, would, I, I think you're right there. I could see six or whatever, but my low is seven and nine, and my high is uh, uh, 12, 12 wins. Um, I think 11, 12, I'm right in there, 11 and a half, I'll be weird, uh, in seven and nine. But I think, okay, so we're looking at, we both got us 0 and 1, right? So now we got Indiana at Indiana or Indianapolis. Sorry. Um, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's there, but um, I think we can beat Indianapolis. Uh, what's his toes is there now though. Who's the quarterback there now? What am I blanking? Uh, um, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. We tore his ass up last year, but he does, he may not have that bad of an offensive line like he did. Although it's not like they're known for offensive line, right? That's why their other guys not playing. Um, so then, and then we got Tennessee, which they can run the you know what out of the ball, which I, I just like. Ugh. And then who can pass the you know what out of the ball? Houston, Seattle, and Atlanta, and Green Bay. Rodgers, Rodgers, Wilson, and some youngsters and a vet in there. Oh my god! I mean, are we three and three? Are we three and three after six, sir? I think that's probably best case scenario. I mean, I guess I, I don't want to step on your call, but you know, I'm going to advance a, a conspiracy theory here. Now, I feel like this is not going to be a year everybody thinks it's going to be, and I'll just be quick about it, but I feel like this is more of a, God, how do you phrase something like that? I'm not saying they're going to tank this year, but I'm saying they're going to find out a lot of stuff this year. They realize what it means. They realize that, you know, a lot of people are for contracts. They realize that there's crowds. They realize it's going to be a weird and wonky season to begin with. What a perfect time to rebuild without saying you're rebuilding. And, uh, Retool. You know, 
retool. Major for retool. Exactly. And so I don't know if we're giving out straight predictions, but I'll wrap this into my prediction. I think that you're going to, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be 16 scrimmages, but essentially it might be 16 scrimmages where uh, the team makes a move for the future and to be good in 2021. Now, I have no backing on this. I haven't heard a word about it. Just my gut feeling that maybe possibly winning this season won't be as important as uh you know, evaluating players. Now, I hope I'm wrong and, and they play, you know, but I, I really feel like that might be the the goal here is to find out for 2021. And in saying that, uh, my prediction for the season is something like eight and eight, nine and seven. Now, I know a lot of people are going to jump off the, the ledge hearing me say that, but the way well, I'm that thinking. That would be great if we weren't trying to win the games barely and we ended up nine, nine and seven. I'll take that. Right. But it's, a you know, it's that, Damned if you do, damned if you don't. I'm not saying that they're not trying to win the games. They're trying to win the games, but I think the overall theme is going to be 2021. And that's just a gut feeling. I got nothing to base that on. Well, I mean, and I mentioned that a little bit too. Hey, at week 10, it can really feel good for next year if if some of these guys start to produce or whatever. So I don't think you're off on that. And we even talked about it, you know, in the offseason and free agency and draft that. We had this debate, so or, or this, you know, talk. So yeah, I mean, I don't think you're that far off, um, in as far as what you said. Now it does surprise me that you got us getting eight or nine wins in that type of year. I'll say that, but um, yeah, man, this is uh, the the one thing about the the retool or reboot or whatever. I don't think they would have re-upped on Cousins if that was the case. Um, if they were for sure doing it. Um, but, you know, I mean, without Pierce, if Hunter doesn't come back till week six, they may not have to try to do anything. <laughs> you may be right up. You know, you may be right there. So I'm kind of I'd say the only thing I'm a little in between on is so they're not taking this is a retool year, but nine and seven is a damn good retool year, wouldn't it be? Yeah. I mean, and I understand where you're coming from there, and and yeah, it is a little hefty, but I, you know, I gonna, I'm trying to balance the fact that, you know, you can't sell a retool year to a to a to a fan base that you know thinks they got a shot at winning, winning it all, uh, and so you got to kind of you know balance, and, and I think we're you know, low side. I think you know if we played, you take this team right, and you say this is what you're going into it, and this is a normal year, I got to say this is an eight and eight, nine and seven team, and so you got to feel like they're going to play up to their abilities. And so you will get, you know, eight and eight, nine and seven out of it. Now I want to say that if we go six and 10, don't lose your minds. You got to keep in mind that maybe all this is, you know, building for 2021. And, and if you've got Kirk on contract and you feel sure. like you can go through this process kind of under the radar and, and get done what you need to get done. I, th- I think, you know, and then you got the draft coming up and it's maybe just a year where they said, okay, we're going to re-sign Zim. We're going to re-sign Spielman. We're going to make sure Kirk's taken care of. We're going to take care of our foundational players. And then we're going to go out there and we're going to find out what we have and what a better opportunity. You got no fans. You got no, it's kind of a weird season. You know, I, I think they kind of said, okay, this is a weird opportunity that we may never have again. And I think you'd be a fool not to, you know, jump on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually right. You know, I, I felt 10 and 6 until this Hunter news came. <laughs> so I'm right where you are, 9 and 7, 
eight and eight right in that ballpark. Is there any last words, sir, before we shut this thing down? No, I, I just, you know, I hope for the best. I want to make sure players are not getting injured. I mean, any catastrophic injury could change things drastically, and particularly to Dalvin Cook, just because, you know, I want to see him re-sign. Do I really want to take the money off the cap, which is supposed to go down next year, and pay a running back? Business-wise, no, but he's such a good running back, and he's been such a good guy on this team and a very valuable member of it. You just want to make sure that he's taken care of one way or another. I mean, it's week six, another ACL, and it'd really be sad for him. And they'd have to find a way to make up for that. I just can't see them going, all right, well, you know, tires are gone by. So I want to make sure that they, that gets resolved in a satisfactory manner. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm right there with the sentiments on him in general. And he's proven it. You know, he's proven it because he could technically just chill and have the franchise, have the somewhat more leverage than he just had. He could have more leverage because the only way you could keep him would be, you know, because uh, he'd be restricted. So the only way you could do is franchise him. So it forces him to say, well, I don't want to give him that kind of money. Let me work a deal. But, yeah, you're right. I, I hope he gets through it. And, and hopefully the NFL in general can get through it. We're already starting to see postponements. And if the Big Ten would have went, there would have been two teams that couldn't even play this last Saturday because they're on breaks because of they have a little – you know, flare up. And so let's just hope the fact that they don't have to go to class and be in a lecture room like some of these places do over the, you know, around the country. Um, the fact that they are, they have a union, they have all the rules in one spot. They're sharing all the information. There's literally like 40% of the colleges are not sharing the testing results, which is like, huh? Well, that's weird. But then when you look at the money that's at stake, that tells you it's even that more strange. Anyway, enjoy the game. Hopefully, my co-host and I are wrong and the Vikings come back or come out strong this year. We'll see. Enjoy the game Sunday. We'll be back next week. Peace out. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.